Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. What we've been doing as a church family is all last year, throughout the entire year of 2022, we looked at one thing, what is the kingdom of God? And this year, we're looking at the kingdom of God, how do you live in it? And so we are now in a mini-series under the umbrella of how do you live in the kingdom of God, and the focus of it is on serving. It's on serving. So what I'm going to ask that you would do with me now is would you please stand, and as we stand together, we're going to do what we always do at City, and that is we pray the Lord's Prayer out loud. Because if you want to understand how to live in the kingdom, the primary place to look is the Sermon on the Mount. And the center of the Sermon on the Mount is this prayer called the Lord's Prayer. Maybe if you're from a high church, meaning a more formal liturgical church, you would know it is the Our Father. But it is the prayer of the kingdom of God. So we're going to pray it out loud together. And then you'll greet each other and be seated. So let's pray it out loud. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. Amen. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Now, I know if you're from another church context and you hear us add in, you, you hear us add in Charlottesville, you go, uh-oh. Look, we believe that the kingdom of God is practical. It is not some pie-in-the-sky thing. It is where literally we just prayed that the kingdom of God would come from heaven to where? Where do most of us live? That's why we pray it that way. So turn, give your neighbor a high-five hug, handshake, fist bump, elbow bump, greet one another. You may be seated. If you're not seated already, go ahead and take a seat. So kingdom living, arriving to serve. What we're going to do this morning is, this is a follow-up message that on the message that Pastor Gabe preached last week where he focused on serving. And at the end of the service, over 80 people signed up to serve here at City, which is absolutely exciting. And I want to be crystal clear about this. And that is this. I believe that everyone in the kingdom is called to serve. Where God has given you specific gifts and abilities, and you are called to figure out, this is your job, to figure out what it looks like to use the gifts that God has given you and blessed you with to serve him. And I want to be crystal clear. It will not always be within the four walls of this church. We have a good number of people who serve faithfully, if not weekly, sometimes even daily, and they're not serving here at City. They're called to serve outside of the four walls of this church. We have others that serve. It's kind of a hybrid thing. They serve here in a ministry. They serve outside, and many simply serve here at City, and we're grateful for all of them. So whenever we're talking about serving, it's not just here. 
I want to be crystal clear. We are a church that gathers to worship and then looks outward into the community to see the kingdom of God come. Now, with that said, last week, again, 80 people uh, signed up to serve and were thrilled. We're absolutely excited. But this week, as we continue what Pastor Gabe started last week, we're going to take a look at one of the primary episodes where Jesus talks about serving. Now, I don't know how you are, but have you ever read an episode in the Newer Testament and you went, I kind of wish that wasn't there? You know, Jesus, is there any way we can get out some white out and just white that out and then live and follow you? You can't. As a matter of fact, what we're getting ready to look at, I think in many ways, along with forgiveness, sits at the epicenter of following Jesus in his kingdom. And so we're going to read the episode together, and then we're going to back into it and take a look at it. So here we go. Mark 10, verses 35 to 45, tell us a story where two brothers asked Jesus to do something for them. Let's read the story. It says, then James and John, the sons of who? Zebedee. So in the scriptures, Jesus calls them the sons of thunder, but other people that call them the sons of Zebedee. So then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Now, real quick, Jesus meets them on the shores of Galilee, and he recruits them right off the sea as fishermen to come follow him. But what's interesting to note, the Newer Testament is clear to tell you they are still working for their dad. So they're using their dad's boat, their dad's nets. They're not off on their own yet. They're not able to do that. They're still working with and for their dad. So let's pick up our reading. It says, James and John come to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, Jews call that chutzpah. Where I come from, it's called a lot of things. But they come to Jesus and say, Rabbi, we've got this request, and we want you to do it. What do you say? What do you want me to do for you, he asked. That always shocks me about Jesus. I would have just said no. Like, no, I'm not going to. Anyway, he goes, well, tell me. What do you want me to do for you? And they replied... Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Interesting. You don't know what you're asking for, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I will be baptized with? We can. They answered and Jesus said to them, you're going to. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant with James and John. In other words, how many disciples are there? There's a total of what? Twelve. And two of the brothers did an end around and got to Jesus first and made the request for the positions of power. And the other 10 were like, oh man, that's what indignant means. They were ticked off at James and John. So what is Jesus' response? 
The text says he calls them all together. So picture this. Jesus knows that they're ticked at each other. And it says, Jesus called them together and said, you know those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles. You know that those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Now, I can promise you every single person standing there thought of Herod the Great. Herod was a guy who was partially Jew, kind of mostly Gentile, had been the the king over Israel. Now his son Herod Antipas has inherited the throne of the area in which Jesus is serving. But I can promise you that almost all of them would instantly have thought of Herod the Great. Now let's push the pause button. What is his name? Herod the... Herod the what? Guess who named him that? (laughs) Have you ever heard of Alexander the... It just rolls off our tongue. We don't even think it's weird. But then when you step back, you go, wait, what? They named themselves this. Herod the Great. By the way, Herod the Great was one of the most famous builders ever. Some think he was one of the richest people that ever lived. And with that, believe it or not, Herod would sit in his palace in Israel and he would look out over the desert and he wanted a mountain in a certain spot and there wasn't one. So he commissioned it. Look it up in all-knowing Wikipedia. It's called the Herodium. And he literally built an entire mountain and it's massive. So he would lord it over the people. What he did was for him. So Jesus calls his disciples together and they're in the midst of bickering and he says, you know how the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over people. And then he says, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, and what was Herod's name? Herod the... Whoever wants to be really great, like truly great, like God great... Whoever wants to become great among you, and they've been bickering, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the, we're going to come back to these three words. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, as we say at City, context always matters. And what the disciples have done is they've come to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Can you imagine if you could saddle up to Jesus and ask him for one thing? What would it be? What would be the a priori request of your life? Theirs was when you enter your glory... Got to remember that word. When you enter your glory, what we're asking is, James and John, one will sit on your right and the other will sit on your left. Will you grant us that? And then Jesus enters into this riff about servanthood. 
Real interesting. Now the question becomes, though, why did the, G- why did the disciples, because our reading began where it said, then... The disciples went to Jesus and asked him. You get the sense that this has been running through their heads for a while, and they've been wanting to ask him, and they're waiting for the right moment. And the right moment has now arrived, so now they jump out and they ask him the question, Jesus, can one sit on your right and the other sit on your left? So the question becomes, what is the context in which they felt so emboldened to ask Jesus to where this was the right time for for them to ask the question that had been percolating for a while? And here is the context that gave them the sense that it was the right time. Now, I want you to listen to what we're getting ready to read, and you figure out if you think it was a good time. Are we ready? Here's what the text says. Literally, this is verse 34. We were just reading from verse 35. Here we go. It says, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished. That's the Greek word for uber excited. That's an accurate translation of the Greek word. It says, while those who followed were afraid. So the big crowd's going, oh, no. And the disciples are going, yes. Yes, reading on. It says, again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the, there's the next three words, what are they? Son of man. And the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him, and three days later, he'll rise again, and the disciples go, now is the perfect time. And you go, wait, what? What? He just said that he's going to go to Jerusalem and be spit upon, beaten, flogged, handed over, and killed, and they go, now's the moment. Well, obviously, they're seeing this differently than me and you and the crowd behind them because the crowd behind them's afraid. Did you catch this? So I think there's sort of three reasons that come together as to why the disciples didn't hear what Jesus said the way you and I just did. First of all, it's who they are. I want you to get their little bio that we find earlier in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 54. We know that they're fishermen, but as they're traveling with Jesus, there's an episode that's very revealing about who they are. And here's what the text says. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for where? Jerusalem. By the way, each gospel has what's known as the death march, all four. Up to half of the gospel is after Jesus says, we are going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. Up to half the gospel. So we've already hit that point in the gospel of Luke. And the text says he set set out resolutely for Jerusalem and he sent out messengers ahead who went to a Samaritan village to get things ready. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading to Jerusalem. And when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? That's what you call radical love and hospitality, right? 
if you don't receive me, I'm killing you. That's James and John. So we get a little look into their psyche and how they're moving through life. And by the way, this is after some years of following Jesus. But here's the other reason why. They didn't really hear what Jesus said. It's a theological reason. Because Jesus, as we read in the first passage and the second, has used the following phrase, the son of what? Man. By the way, if you met Jesus out on the streets of Galilee and you were heading to Starbucks and you bumped into him and you said, oh, Rabbi, how are you? He said, I'm well. And you said, my friend Mike Kramer sitting up front. Mike says to Jesus, hey, my name is Mike Kramer. Jesus would have gone, son of man. Jesus never called himself Jesus Christ or Jesus of Nazareth. Other people called him that. He called himself, what? Son of man. Isn't that interesting? So the disciples have heard Jesus call himself the son of man. There's a theological reality here that we need to understand. Because again, if you met Jesus, he'd have called himself son of man. What he's referencing is Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Because every Jew at the time of Jesus who believed in the Messiah knew that Daniel had had a vision of a guy that would be called what? Son of man. Here's the vision. Daniel the prophet in the Older Testament says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a what? There it is. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power, and all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And so what the disciples heard was, Jesus, son of man, going up to Jerusalem. He's going to depose Herod. And he's going to sit on Herod's throne. And when he does, guess where we're going to ask to sit? To his right, to his left. Now listen, though. I think that there's another reason, too, why they couldn't really hear what Jesus was saying when he said the Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem, be whipped, beaten, bruised, and killed. Uh, Here's why they couldn't hear him. And the reason why I can explain this so well is because I'm married. And uh, I don't want you to think this happened at your pastor's house yesterday. (laughs) And this is fictitious. It's never happened, but to help us to understand this, this is a fake day. Fake day would be this. We get up early. It's a Saturday. Fran says, beautiful day outside. Yes, it is. And she says, you know, Pete, it would be really helpful if you would walk the dog, I go, yep. And then she says, wash the dog, clean up the dog in the front yard. Um, You know the garage that has been a total mess for eight months and I can't even get my car in there anymore? Why don't you? What about, Pete, the cord around? We've lived in our house for two years and you still, the cord around, still not done and in the bathroom. Well, who goes in there but me and Fran, so what does it matter? But, um, and then she says, and I know that UVA's playing Duke in football this afternoon. So here's what I hear. Walk the dog, 
and Duke and UVA are playing football this afternoon. You know what I miss in the middle? It's all blah, 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 right? How many of you are married? You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? You hear it's called selective hearing. So here's what they hear. They hear Jesus say, going where? Jerusalem. And he is what? Son of man. The rest is tortured, killed, spit. It's blah, 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 blah. So what they hear is, hey, you know what, Jesus when you get into your glory, because that's what Daniel said God's going to give the guy who sits on the throne of Israel, he's going to give him glory. And so, Jesus, when you get your glory, you pick which side you want us to sit on. Left or right, totally up to you. But Jesus, if we could remind you, and they had just reminded him this, the chapter earlier, you know that corporation we used to work for? called Zebedee and Sons. We've left Zebedee and Sons to follow you. By the way, the Bible calls them the sons of Zebedee, but it sounds way better to say we left Zebedee and Sons. It sounds like a law firm or a construction company. So we left them to come and serve you and so, or be with you. And so what we would really like is positional authority and power because that's what Herod gives to the people that's closest to him. And together, they lord it over everyone for their benefit. And Jesus says, guys, when you put feet to your faith in my kingdom, you must always remember, guys, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The most precious ten toes that have ever walked this earth viewed himself as a servant and he gave up his life. Guys, I know that you feel as though you've left Zebedee and Sons. But what I want to explain to you guys is that in my kingdom, positional authority is going to become pretty much irrelevant. For Herod, it's a big thing. You sit on his right and on his left. You do what you want, take what you want, and it's all about you. But he said, in my kingdom, the greatest of all, the Herod, the greats of the kingdom, are going to be people who have deeply impassioned hearts of a servant. They're going to be the greatest. And you know what's amazing? It's because in Herod's kingdom... There are only a couple seats for greatness. In Jesus's, there's billions of seats available. Because only certain people could sit next to Herod and actually govern. But in Jesus's kingdom, anyone can serve. Would you stand with me? As we stand together and the worship team returns, 
Actually, no, they won't return it this time. Actually, they are, sorry. <laughs> I can feel them behind me. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, I live in a city, in a state, in a country, in a culture that still cheers on King Herod. But I live and have been called into a kingdom that is an upside-down kingdom where serving, serving, and being a servant is what God cheers for. 